Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 25, the Mitch What Edition. I have no idea. I'm just going to keep playing that trope. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to look anything up forever and I'm not even going to think of a number. Although like, I think, what is it? Is it Jason Chimera who's 25? You got it. Jason Chimera or I also had Nino. Nino Niederreiter was 25. Oh, that's a sore spot. It is a little bit of a sore spot, but yes. Anyway, I am at So is today's edition where we're going to feel really old and not be able to do anything? Yeah, kind of. So I think we should go with Jason Chimera, right? That might be more fitting. Yeah. All right, anyway, let's get to the introductions. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. I feel like it's a little weird because we just did a show on Friday and we was actually in person, so we're kind of going back to our roots a little bit with the hangout here. So, Yeah, it yeah. feels weird to be at home and not on Long Island. It felt fantastic to be out there. Um, thanks to everyone for coming out to the show, Rick and Chris and other Chris especially. Um, thanks to you guys for coming out and everyone else for coming out and supporting. How much did we raise again for America's Vet Dogs? Uh, it was over $900. Wow. That's amazing. Wait, wait, yeah, I got to do a slow clap. Just, mm. We can't get on the same rhythm. You're trying to clap at the same time. <laughs> well, we're doing it through internet, so, you know, whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah, but seriously, thank you to everyone who came out. It was honestly such a great time. Uh, and raising that kind of money for America's Vet Dogs was beyond my wildest expectations. I don't know about you, but... It was. Um, are you still trying to get rid of some of that, that hero sandwich? I think I still have some in my fridge. Yeah, okay. (laughs) There was so much left over. My dad's had that, like, every day for lunch since. (laughs) That's amazing. It was fantastic, though. Um, so yeah, again, thanks everyone for coming out. Thanks to the South Hempstead Fire, Heart, uh, Fire Department for uh, hosting us. Thanks for America's Vet Dogs for giving us some sweet swag. Uh, thanks for the Islanders for giving uh, us some tickets. Rick, I hope you enjoy them. He was a big winner in, in the, the raffle for the tickets. Yep. Um, send pics of your seats. Let us see what you, 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 you got out of the Islanders for that one. Yeah, hopefully they hooked you up pretty good. Hopefully. That'd be nice. Oh, man. If there's an obstructed view, that'd be the worst. I'd feel so bad for him. Imagine they put him like right behind that <laughs> net where no one's saying it. That'd just be so typical. We don't wish that on anybody, but I, I would just be like such a microcosm of this year. Yeah, the lols would be fantastic, but that's about yeah. it. Mitch, let's start by talking about the last two games. Usually we talk okay. about three games, but there was only two of them, so... Uh, we had a 4-3 to three win that we were both in attendance for with yeah. our man Tim and one of our writers, Kate, was there too, so might as well shout them out. And then an overtime loss against Nashville in a game they probably should have won. So, again, I'm going to go back to my favorite saying when it comes to this team, 
one step forward, two steps back, and that's kind of exactly how I felt. Um, yeah, I guess they they didn't deserve to win either games. You don't think they, they deserve to win either? Well, no. What forty nine shots against with Columbus? They looked like the second best team on the night. They just got lucky playing against uh, what second string goalie in Columbus, a uh, Corpus Allo. Like they got what twenty eight shots, I think, on Corpus Allo. Four of them went in. That's not usually a good return. What what is that save percentage? Why that that's much below nine hundred. Um, so obviously he, you, the Islanders are facing sub average goaltending. So with just general average goaltending, they should not have lost. They should not have won that game against Columbus on Saturday. Yeah, that's a eight fifty seven save percentage. There, see, that's le garbage. Um, they were terrible. The first period was awful. They looked like they didn't know where they were for 20 minutes. How many shots did they get off that period? Four, I think it was? Yeah. No, and seven. It was seven, sorry. And Columbus had, what, like 22? 26. It was a franchise record. That's, that's insane. We were sitting there the whole time. I was like, Mitch, they have 18 shots. Mitch, they have 22. Like, we couldn't believe it. We just kept repeating it because it... How could they possibly give up that many shots? We were like, we were figuring out that we were like, Mitch, they're on pace to give up seventy shots on that game. That's insane. Yeah. Th- think about it. The Islanders put up twenty-eight shots that night, and the Columbus Blue Jackets put up twenty-six in the first period. Yeah, so I'm in just, a third I, of the time. I want to I want to bring the game up specifically in terms of those stats. So keep on vamping. I want to yeah. make sure I got my numbers right before we keep going any further with that. I wanted to say something about Yoro because I think he played a good game that night. He had mm-hmm. a nine thirty eight save percentage because he That's stopped outstanding forty five of forty eight shots. He stopped correct. Yeah, yeah. So that's a nine thirty eight. So he's obviously playing much better. This is nothing on him. We all know it has nothing to do with him at this point. Early on in the season, if you wanted to say that he's struggling, I think that's completely fair, but it just goes to show how much this team is really struggling in their own zone right now. Yeah, Sorry, the Islanders had 38 shots for. 38. Oh, 38, not 28? Yeah, so 10 extra okay. ones. Okay, much we gotta better. redo my math. Well, I, I, I'll be able to bring it up here. Um, 95. Yeah. So, yeah, still Halak bad. had 939. It's still bad. It's still below nine, um, just, just by hair. But again, nine is about baseline. Even then, 910 is, is your average for the season in terms of goaltending this, this year. Halak gave us 939. Um, I, I agree with you that the, the story of the goaltending has shifted away. Even Grice, the last couple of games, has looked, has looked okay. Yeah. Yes, he's letting in goals, but in his last two starts, like you, you wrote, I think the day afterwards, he's he's faced 106 shots in two games. Yeah, so that's nuts. Just by the averages, he he's he's playing well. Um, yes, they're letting in they're letting in a bad goal here and there, but that's no different than before. So we're we're getting what we were supposed to get from Yarrow and Grice. We're just not getting what we should be getting from our defensive core and even the forwards in front of them. And, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show, but. They didn't deserve to win both games, but they still managed to get three points out of it, which is fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that because it's keeping them in the playoff know. picture. The only reason they, they're not in the playoffs right now is goal differential. I'm pretty sure. You're, you're right, but when you have a two-goal lead in a game, you should expect to win that game, which is what they had against Nashville. 
They're up four to two, and they completely choked. Isn't three to one the worst lead in hockey? I guess so, but speaking. still, it's a two-goal lead. You'd think you should hold on to that win, especially they had the lead going in with under a minute left in the game. Oh, well then, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, obviously, any other team? Yes. The Islanders? No. Yeah, right? but we can't how do How many that. times have the Islanders given up late goals? I'm not saying that they that we expect that, but... We've come to kind of like rationalize that ourselves after the fact, going, oh, well, you know, that's what happens with the Islanders. But that's such a loser mentality. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's a loser mentality. You're just like, oh, that's acceptable. I know, but I I am tired of the mediocrity that is being shoved down our gullets from this dumb franchise. I can't take it anymore. What are you going to do? Stop watching them? I'm calling your bluff. I know. Of course not. I have a sickness, Mitch. I do it with all my teams. You know this. (laughs) I say it all the time. I'm a Jets fan, too. I'm a Mets fan, also. I just live for the suffering. I can't. I think I have a problem, Mitch. I really do. This might turn into a therapy session. I must have some, like, self-loathing thing going on because I just can't be happy with my teams. It's just always something. There's something deep down that's very, that's, that's upsetting you. Were you bullied as a child, Matt? I don't, maybe, probably. We're going to start peeling the layers of the onion here. I <laughs> bullied on Isles Twitter a few times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who wasn't? Um, is there anything, like, things to consider in these games? Things that we should take note of? Um, I, for, for me, I sorry. Guess for the, me, it's the three points in two games. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it. Through, it depends on which lens you're looking it through. If you're looking through, hey, they had a two-goal lead and it should have easily been four points in two games. But if you just, like, much, let's say a couple weeks from now, you go back and say, okay, in these two games that week, they, they took three points. That's not that's not terrible. It's above average for what they've been doing. So I get, you're the more positive one. Everyone knows this. I'm going to harp on the negative this episode. There you go. There's a lot of negative to go through. Yeah, uh, there definitely is. But we do have a little bit of a positive to talk about. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Our our boy, friend of the program, Brock Nelson, he, he revived. He's alive. He came out of his coma. He's mm-hmm. good to go. He's had two very productive games for the New York Islanders over the stretch, Mitch. Yeah. That, well, that's an understatement. Um, he's got three points in his last two games. And he hasn't scored since January 20th. So he went one, two, three, four, five games without a point. And now he's got points in back-to-back games. Which is fantastic for the Islanders' secondary scoring issue. Right? Because we, they, they were always scoring from the top two lines, but they weren't getting anything from the bottom six. Now Brock Nelson is awake. And, and that plays right into what we were talking about for weeks now. Is that Brock Nelson's production follows the cycle of the sun. He's going to crest up again. He's going to rise again now that the sun is poking its head out and we're getting more and more daylight. Yeah, the sunset is starting to be around like 520. We're getting into prime like Brock Nelson. He's he's waking up from that hibernation. That's right. He's, he's coming. You know, he's feeling that the, the warmth is coming. It's okay to come back outside. It's going to be safe. He's gonna, It looks like he's going to be scoring a little bit more. This is the Brock that we're used to. Now, I know... He's very he fluctuates. He's either ice cold or or hot. Yeah. Do you think he sustains this hot streak now? 
Um, so I, I, I kind of wrote this the four players that have been scoring since the All-Star break um, that hadn't been scoring before that. So Letty, Brock, Chimera, and Sezikis. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, what's where the dependent is, is what is your what's your definition of his streak? Is it a point every game or a point point like a one point two five points per game? Like what, what's your point of streak here? Or is it point uh, seven five points because he has since the All Star break we've had four games and he scored three in the last four. I would say the point seven five. I, I wouldn't think so. I really don't. I think 0.5 sounds about right. And that, yeah. that's hitting... That way. If he gets 0.5 in the remaining... Was it? There's 28 games to go? Yes. So 28 times 0.5 is obviously 14. Plus is 20. We're looking at 34 points. That's not a good year for him. Um, no. But that, that's good considering what he went through the last two months. It's good because for how long he was on pace for something like 26 points. Yeah. So if you can get almost 35 points out of him, that would be I don't want to necessarily call it a win because it's not it's someone who should be giving you that 40 to 45 points and that lack of production has really hurt the Islanders, especially because mm-hmm. their bottom six is just pretty much garbage, but that's a story for another day. Yeah. Um for me, I think we kind of both already gave our answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you see any way that he gets to that typical 40 point season i can see a way where he continues his 0.75 production if he does that he hits 41 points on the year okay. if he puts up a third of a point every game I, I know you can't literally do that but if you if he continues that pace so he puts up a point every other every third game which you know it seems not too hard to do for someone like brock nelson if he does that he can hit 41 points in theory, that seems like something very reasonable for Brock Nelson to do. But that's right. He, that's just we know from how long we've watched him now that it's extremely unlikely for that to happen. Uh, well, again, he he tends to pick it up in the later months. So he picks it up in February and March and April. Although there's only a few few games in April, but February March is really when he starts producing more, which is what's happening right now. Um, do I expect him to go like keep keep going at a, a point a game or more? No. But a point every every third game, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's possible. A point every other game, or sorry, yeah, a point every other game, sure, yeah, I can see that totally. Yeah, I could. So if you had to put a number on it, how many points do you think Brock Nelson finished the year with? 35. 35? Okay. Yeah. I What's think yours? I was going to say 32. I think he goes through one more cold stretch. Right. Um, but I, I think, like we touched on, the, more, the most important part here, the most important part, hard for me to say, was <laughs> that um, we finally got that scoring in the bottom six. Right. And that's really important. That's adding an extra layer of difficulty for the Islanders. Not for the Islanders, the Islanders' opposition, where they now have to counter the Tavares line, the Barzal line, and now they've got to worry a l- at least a little bit about Brock Nelson. Yeah, because previous to that, all they had to do was shut down those first two lines, and that was pretty much it. That's part yeah. of the reason why the Islanders went through that cold stretch, I think, is because once the top line went a little bit cold, it felt like they, their offense just completely died, and they had no chance uh, trying to win these games. Right. I think that's a lot harder to do, shut down two lines like that. And let's be honest, if they're able to shut down those top two lines, uh, they can shut down Brock Nelson. That's true, but I at the same time... 
you couldn't you use the argument that if you had three capable lines, you can't use the same defense against the the top two lines at the, for the whole yeah, it, like it's, sustainably. It's I mean, it, it's possible, but I, I think we're, we're talking about structure, and I think a team could set up their like we, we saw it again with um, the Panthers and Toronto, just the way that they set up. Mm-hmm. Whoever was on the ice, just the way they set up completely stifled any offense that the the Islanders could create. They just kept them to the outside, kept the shots from the outside, and, and blocked those whatever shots they could, and the Islanders scored one goal in those two games. Right. So why any other team isn't doing that, I have no idea. But And even then, we, we saw that against the Columbus game where, if, if you notice, Matthew Barzell for most of Toronto and Florida was really buzzing on the outside in the perimeter and trying to pull a defenseman out um, out of position to open up lanes for, for other people. But what he tried, what he started doing against Columbus is just saying, you know what, I'm going to take that lane. I'm going to, I'm going to drive to the net. And how many times did he drive to the gut or take the middle of the ice and then draw defenders in opening other people? Yeah. Like Fair we, point. That, that happened a whole lot against Columbus. So that's a whole other dynamic of just opening up another offense on, on a, the defense for the Islanders. And then you're adding, like you said, that third line, it gets a little bit more complicated but I don't know. I think if they can shut down those top two lines, they, they can shut down Brock Nelson. Yeah, you're probably right. I'll give you that one. But I do think uh, it was necessary to hit on Brock Nelson's little streak here over the last couple <laughs> was games. Was it necessary or was it fun? No, I think it was necessary because we give him a hard time, but I think we have to be fair. And when he's playing well, I think we have to give him credit for that too. Oh, absolutely. We have to give him credit when he when he's doing well, especially if we're going to throw him under the bus when he's not. Um, so props to you, Brock Nelson. Good job. I hope you start feeling better about yourself. Uh, maybe start taking some vitamin D, buddy, um, so that in December and January, you may be a little bit livelier. I know a thousand UI a day keeps a doctor away, or at least keeps the goals coming. A thousand U? What is UI? I don't know. That's just the measurement I have on my vitamin D bottles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nobody knows what that means. We're not a science po- podcast. So if you're into science, you can go yeah, somewhere a- else. Any doctors out there, let us know what UI stands for. Yeah. Someone please let us know. Uh, do you want to talk about your defensive strategy? Because I yes. know that's been a, a bone you've been picking with this team for a while now. Well, especially over the last couple of weeks as... Um, the new cycle of how many shots they're letting in, or not letting in, but getting towards net is, is be, becoming a little bit more covered. So if we remember at the beginning of the year, uh, Arthur Staple posted something about Doug Waite instilling a new defensive strategy or a new strategy, not only in the defensive zone. And I'm going to read you out what uh, Staple got from Waite at that time. And it says, Waite and his staff have been coaching the Islanders' defensemen to clear sight lines for the goaltenders rather than try to be a secondary netminder. Or, sorry, a second netminder. Waite also wants his force to be aggressive at the points rather than keeping a tighter defensive structure. It's all in the name of reducing errant deflections and screen shots while also trying to reduce puck possession for opposing teams in the defensive zone. Sounds great. I was happy about that at the time yeah. when I read that. Well, they're trying to reduce bad goals against, and they're trying to gain possession. Heck, I'll take that any day. But now when you look at it, you're kind of going, well, is that really maybe the catalyst for these 50 shots against games? Because when you, when you look at the Islanders play, 
yeah, the other team is getting a lot of shots on, but you wouldn't sit there and say like, man, it looks like they're getting peppered out there. You're only saying that because you see the number, you see the quantifiable measure and you're going, it didn't seem like they got peppered. They obviously did. It just didn't seem like that. Just because a lot of those shots are just kind of getting through. Shots from the outside are getting to net, um, pumping up that number. But it's also allowing for this other these other teams to kind of feed off of the chaos that comes from when you just shoot a puck towards the net and hope for the best. Right. Um, and then when you look at this this whole puck possession thing, well, that ain't happening. The Islanders' Corsi against is not very good. So, like, it, it, the strategy of... What, what's the word I'm going for here? Uh, the standard strategy of clearing sight lines is clearly detrimental because it's creating more offense for other teams. And the strategy of, of, of having a, a high uh, aggressive forward line isn't helping reduce puck possession for the opposing teams in the defensive zone. So what is this really doing? Like, is this all worth the how many goals that they let in through errant deflections last year? Right. Yeah. Five, maybe. Yeah. Um, I agree. I'm actually surprised that there hasn't been a change yet. Like, how has Doug Waite not noticed, like, hey, the strategy clearly isn't working? You know what I mean? Um, maybe it, I think it's just like the stubbornness of, of coaching where they just go, this is my plan and I'm going to stick it through until the end. So they're getting burned by their own stubbornness. Yeah, I think so. Honestly. And, and maybe the next season, be like, well, that didn't work. So let's try something else. And you're going, oh, okay, but how about coaching on the fly and changing your strategy when your strategy doesn't work? That would be nice. Yeah, I, I think th- that. I was going to say, I think that's a sign of good coaching is making those in-season adjustments. Sometimes that's what you have to do. Same thing. And I know people are going to say, well, what, the injuries, that's bollocks. That's bollocks. I, I know that they have injuries. We all know that they have injuries on the defensive end, but this is not only a defensive issue. It's not. And some of the defensemen, I understand they lost Johnny Boychuk, and that's a big loss. But some of the other defensemen that they've gone to plug and play should be equal rep- like equal fixes. Like Calvin Hahn shouldn't have been that big of a miss for the Islanders. It should not have been. Uh, but clearly it is. Um, and, and I really think it's more of a structure issue. Yes, they're rookies, but if you have a proper structure, you should it should allow for these rookies to flourish. Right. No, I think that's fair. Because um, we could talk about the players all day long, but I think the Islanders have a decent amount of defensive depth. I mean, clearly, I still think they need to make a move for a defenseman. But oh, yeah, easily. I do think it's a fair point and something to look at is is the strategy that's going into play here because something clearly isn't working. And it's been like this for all year long, even like before all the injuries happened. They were still that's giving true. up a ton of goals. Yeah. So I agree with you 100% on this. I definitely would overlook – I would – excuse me. I would look over – the defensive strategy and say, what can we do differently? Is it just blocking shots? Is it getting in front of the pucks more? Is that it? Um, I, at least a little bit. Like, they got to start blocking some shots. Like, I, I know when we were watching the game, game against Columbus and someone blocked a shot and you're going, oh my God, what happened? They blocked a shot. What are the odds? Um, they're just not getting in front, in front of enough pucks. And, and maybe it's, it's an idea of getting in front of pucks in the right areas. So don't go down and get in front of a puck when you're right by, right by the crease. 
take it out near the face-off circle, stop the pucks from coming there, um, mm-hmm. because then the goalie has more time to react if there is an errant deflection. Um, right. So worst-case scenario, you're stopping a puck that's trying to get to net and Yarrow or Grice can glove it. Um, maybe it's more of that, uh, deciding where to, to stop these or where to block these shots. It, it just I'm not I'm not going to intimate that this is an easy fix and, and doing this will fix everything. It just it doesn't seem like what was said at the beginning of the season is working, and I, I'm and maybe they can try something else. And I'm assuming that they already have not or they have not tried anything. Uh, maybe Wade has looked at it and said I can't do that. Uh, it just I don't see why how that could be. Like why why would you not want to change this? Why would you? What's stopping him from changing his strategy? It. The new, the new blood, that seems like the perfect time to change your strategy a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, do you have anything else on the defensive strategy, or do you think you got it all out? No, I got it all out. I wrote it, and it was, it was very cathartic for me to get it out on, on quote-unquote paper, um, and now it's even better to verbalize it a little bit more. No, it's healthy. It's like yeah. venting out your frustrations. It's good. Yeah, it's, so it's they just continue our cycle. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't speak today our psychoanalogies of each other to kind of get ourselves to a point where we're okay. Yeah, that's what we're here for. We're an Islanders therapy session. Okay. Uh, let's move on to our long topic for this afternoon yeah. or wherever you're listening. Um, leading up to the trade deadline, what do we think the Islanders do? What do the Islanders do leading up to the trade deadline? Okay, so... You intimated that you wanted to talk about this, and I'm surprised you haven't really just like jumped into it. You said something on Twitter just before we recorded that uh, you wanted to scream and yell about Gar Snow. So I'm going to oh, step yeah. back from the microphone for a good however long you need, and then I'll come back because I I think I might make it worse. So I want to get it out. I want you. You're going to gonna make it, it your, worse. I think I might. Let's get it out of your system first, and then we'll come back. Okay, so clearly what Garth Snow said today, he basically is just going to limit what the Islanders are going to do at the trade deadline and limit the type of player they could bring in. So anyone on an expiring contract who's actually good, don't expect them to come in. Because Garth pretty much just said today that he's not going to trade picks for a rental. The exact quote was, so are we going to, at this point in time, be giving first-round picks and high picks for rental players? I don't think we're in that position. Just doesn't make sense. Why? What's the point of holding on to picks? This team has been the team of the future since I've been alive. I used the quote in the daily, so I'm again, we're going to do a little bit of... A behind-the-scenes peek. I already wrote the dailies for tomorrow, and it's, again, talking on this conversation. But the analogy I used, do you remember the movie Heavyweights? Barely. Okay, well, it came out in 95, and there's a quote from that movie, and the kid's wearing an Islander shirt, and he goes, the Islanders, eh? Team of the future. They've been the team of the future since 1995, Mitch, since that movie came out. I'm still waiting for this futuristic team to finally appear, and it hasn't happened yet. Okay. You want That's me to it. go now? No, I don't, I don't want you to talk if you're going to make it worse. Next subject. <laughs> no, are you going to defend him? If you're going to defend him, I'll, I'll probably end the call. I, I, I will defend the stance on rental players. Yes. Okay. So we're, we're, I feel like these quotes are being extrapolated into a larger anti-trade deadline 
movements by Garth. And, and I know we looked at this a couple of weeks back where we saw that he doesn't necessarily do stuff on trade deadline day. And, and even then, if he does something big, it's usually out rather than in, right? Thomas Vanek being the example. But when I look at this, all I'm thinking about rental players and giving first round picks is Martin Hansel to the uh, Minnesota Wild last year. The Wild gave a King's Ransom to get a big center rental for the playoffs. And what good did that do them? Did them no good. They lost. They didn't get anywhere in the playoffs. They didn't get very far. And they lost their first round pick. And they're no further ahead in what is ostensibly a pretty old team. So why would, why would you mortgage your future for a potential now? Why would you do that? It doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. I, I completely agree that it doesn't make any sense to go and give a ton of draft picks for rental players. Well, I don't think those are fair comparisons. I don't think the Islanders of this year and the Wild of last year are in a similar position. No, I, I'm talking about the only similarity is giving out first-round picks for rental players, which is what the Wild did for Martin Hansel. Okay, but the difference is the Islanders have multiple picks in the first and second round. So if you give up a first-round pick, you still have one. Right, sure. But why do you give out a prized asset for something that you're not going to keep for longer than four months, maybe? Right, so let's say March, April, May, June. That's if you get to June. You've got max four months for a first-round pick, which could be a Matt Barzell. It could be an Anthony Beauvillier. Okay, but then we have to wait another three years for that to happen. But I, I know, but in three years, you have something rather than not. So is it good to have something for four months, max, unless you think that, that what, whoever you're bringing in is going to win you a Stanley Cup, then I won't disagree. But is there a player out there that the Islanders can acquire with their first round picks that can almost guarantee a Stanley Cup? I didn't um, think so. I think you could make the argument that if they brought in a player like Ekman Larson, that they could jump up and be a top three team in the Metro and put themselves in a better spot for contention. Sure. Yeah. Anything they do is going to put them in a better spot for contention on paper. But what I said is, can they win a Stanley Cup? If they get Oliver Ekman Larson, could they win a Stanley Cup on paper? No. I mean, it would be tough, but I think they could. Right, but I'm not asking for tough. I'm asking for like as, as close to guaranteed as you can get. No. Because that's the only way that I'll give up a first-round pick is if we go pick up someone that is going to as close to guaranteed, like 99% sure we're going to be right up in there. Yeah, but look, the, the I don't know where I was going with that analogy. I don't know. I was going to start saying something about the Capitals and... And Kevin Shattenkirk, and that didn't end very yeah. well for them. It didn't, but at least they went for it. Right, but I'm, I'm not talking about not making any trades at all here. I'm fine with trading a first-round pick. I'm just not fine with trading it for a rental. If we're going to go and acquire someone like... and I mean, I'm just using an example because he's got term. Someone like Tyson Berry, who can fit in your top 4D and be a puck mover and be a producer. He's got three years left at 5.5. That's an extra year on, on, on OEL. And even then, so then even then, OEL wouldn't necessarily be a rental. But still, if you're giving up a first year, a, a first round pick for someone who's got three years left on term, cool. If you, got, if you can get even longer than that, that's fantastic. 
if this player is of quality, yes, you pay the price for quality. I'm okay with that. But I'm not okay with paying the price for very temporary and extremely liquid uh, quality. As in, like, they're going to come in and they ain't staying. But it comes to a point in time, like, how many years in a row do you just want to acquire picks and draft guys and wait? Right, but you're, you're, you're assuming that my position here is a vote of confidence for Garth Snow. And it is not. I just don't want to see the Islanders in and of themselves mortgage their future for short term. I don't, I, I don't want to leverage Garth Snow's tenure or, yeah, leverage Garth Snow's tenure and, and ruin our future. Okay. I'd rather he make a smart move uh, or make no move at all and save the future and then he's gone. I'd, rather, I'd much rather that. Uh, let me give you a hypothetical scenario and let me know if you would do this. So they okay. have four picks in the first two rounds. Right. If they gave up one of their first round draft picks and then let's just say prospects. So it's only their only pick they're giving up in the first two rounds. So the, any of those big four is just one first rounder. So you still have one other first rounder and two second rounders. Would you mm-hmm. trade for a rental player if it was just one first round pick no. in the package. No, really? No. No. I'm not I'm not moving first rounds. They're too valuable. For a rental, too valuable. Second? Sure. Absolutely. Are yeah. they too valuable though? I think so. Especially in a, in a good draft like this year? Why not? What, so what what are you willing to trade a first round pick for? Anything? Like anything's Both on the table if if for a first round pick. Are you saying both or one? Either. Any. Both. One. One. So in my scenario, I would give up one first-round pick if it's for a rental player. I would. Yeah, I'm not. Just because, Mitch, how many years are we going to go through the same thing of just we're going to draft this guy and get all excited about this player and then wait for them to pan out for three years? Yeah, but isn't that just a knee-jerk reaction? Like, we need to do something because we need to do something. We're not doing anything based on any sound, consistent strategy. We're just doing something for the sake of doing it. That's not necessarily going to pay dividends either. It might appease you Um, cathartically and say, like, they're trying. Yes, I'm on board. But, like, what when that doesn't pan out and you still don't have your first-round pick, then you're short on both ends. Can we not not agree, though, that this... Of any of the years coming up is the year to go for it? Uh, well, I wouldn't say coming up because we, we don't know what's going to happen. But of all the years that they've had under Gar Snow, yeah, absolutely. Well, think about it. You're going to have to give a raise to Tavares. You're going to have to give a raise to Bailey. And then in coming years, you're going to have to extend Lee and Barzal. So that's going to take a significant hit to your salary cap. You have so many guys who are key pieces to this team on reasonable contracts, and this is the last year of that. Yeah. Tavares is at a five and a half million cap hit. Bailey's at what three? Three point three. three. Half, yeah. Under three point five million. Anders mm-hmm. Lee is at what the same thing? Three point three million? Three point two five? Three point two, three point five, maybe. Right. Those are gonna double. Sure. 
But so the cap is also going to go up too, right? So and and we're 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 shedding a ton of cap already. Yarrow's gone. Um, Dehan's probably gone. Seidenberg's gone. Kuhlman's gone. Just Yarrow and Kuhlman is four point six million dollars, or sorry, eight point six million dollars on the cap. That's enough to pay Tavares, and then and then spread some around without the cap going up five million dollars already. I don't know. I just I can't. Go through another year of just saying, oh, we're, we're not going to do, and we'd rather not do anything and look to the future than actually try and go for it. Well, like, listen, if the option is getting a rental player or not doing anything, I'm saying not doing anything. If those are the only two options on the table, and I don't think they are, because there is another option where you trade your multiple picks and you acquire a piece that is going to stick around long term. And okay. whatever your definition of long term is, for me, it's anything over three years. Okay. Then I, I, I'm absolutely going for that because then you're not only improving, you're giving up assets, sure, but you're improving your team now and for the next three years. And you can build that back up again, right? Like, look, Carson got a first round and, and a two second rounds for uh, Travis Hamannick. Like, that's, that's insane. That's insane. He can do it. He can he can find it later on, or another GM could find it if we don't make the playoffs. Because I, I I firmly believe that if they don't make the playoffs this year, Garcino's gone. He has to. But if the Islanders miss out on the playoffs, wouldn't you think that would hurt their chances of re-signing Tavares, which is probably the ultimate goal for this year? M- maybe. But look, even the Cavaliers aren't ready to trade their first-round pick for what is the Wayne Gretzky of basketball? So if the Cavaliers aren't ready to do it because they don't know what's going to happen with LeBron James, they could try to go trade to try to keep him and, and, and give away that Brooklyn first-round pick. But they're not going to do it because they might need that later. If Tavares goes, we need that first-round pick. And we need that now. We can't wait for the 2019 first-round pick. We need it in 2018. So, I guess. I yeah. Not fun. I'm just frustrated. It's, it's not know. a good situation on either side. No, it's not. It's totally not. It's it's a rock and a hard place, and we're all right in the middle. That's going to clip the microphone right there. That's fine. Uh, he also, in this Newsday thing, I know we have the social to get to also, but just the one last thing. He very much blames injuries for where they are, which I don't think is fair at all. No. Well, what does he say that I'm not making excuses? I'm just stating facts. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's that's not really a fact lame. that you're losing because of injuries. It's a fact that you have injuries and that you're right. also losing at the same time. So coincidentally, you have injuries and you're losing. Um, but I, I think it's going back to the idea of that they're not set up properly so that when injuries happen, they can absorb that kind of that reduction in quality. Because let's be honest, there's there's a difference between Sebastian Ajo and at this point in his career and Calvin DeHaan at this point in their careers. Yeah. There's a difference. Sebastian Ajo could get there and maybe he's got a higher ceiling, but it's going to take a few years to get there. Calvin DeHaan is already there. Same thing with Johnny Boychuk. So I, I don't imagine we're going to disagree there that, yeah, it's it's an excuse, but it's not a good one. No, not at all. Uh, do you have anything else regarding Garth Snow Islanders' position for the deadline? Anything of that no, nature? I'm just surprised I didn't get you to cut off the microphone and, and go home. Although I guess no. you're already home. 
No, but that is still a depressing conversation. <laughs> I could tell your voice you're so sad. Uh, all right, social segment. Um, what do you got for us tonight? I got the free Hosang jersey. Okay. Uh, and that's not free, comma, Hosang jersey. It's free Hosang. So we were at the game on Saturday, ran into a fan um, who had a Hosang jersey and then pinned to the top of that. So he tweeted the picture out at the game. Uh, pinned to the top of it was a sign that says free because he wants Hosang out of Bridgeport. And guess what? So do we. And so do a lot of people because a lot of people tweeted that out and retweeted and liked. Because um, come on, can we just please, like. I- they're, the Islanders are going to use the, the the idea now that, oh, Brock Nelson is scoring again. Oh, Sezikis is scoring. Oh, we don't need... Chimera scored and got... Or, sorry, put up a point. We don't need Josh Hosang anymore. No, like, I, I guess, but, like, Chimera's been here all year and he still only has 11 points. Like, yeah, and two goals. Yeah, we're not... We're, he's not here to put up points. He's, he's, he's a guy you put on the scratch list. He really is. Yeah, uh, I that was a great jersey. Um, I am all for the free Hosang movement, as you already know, as the listener already knows. Um, I had one. It was a video. It was tweeted out by an anti-Belmont account. So oh. they don't want the Islanders to move to Belmont. And it was videos of the riots in Philadelphia. Okay. And it was saying, who's going to protect our city of Elmont when 18,000 Islanders fans are rioting after their team won? Well, first off, awesome that they think we're going to win, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know where they got that idea that this team is close to a championship right now, and this is like an actual worry, but fine. And I don't... There's not many cities who go crazy riots, and especially in hockey. There's what Vancouver and Montreal. So Canadian markets. You got to worry about Canadian markets. I don't. I don't think like New York has has gone through enough championships with the Yankees that the. And I know it's not the same fans necessarily, but geographically, their their temperament I would assume is is, is relatively the same um, when it comes to winning. Although, maybe not because. It's not like the Islanders have won in, what, 30 years? Yeah. Well, almost 40. But I've never, there. I don't think there's ever been a riot at a New York parade or no, after they won a championship. Do you so think, I don't like, think that's the, anything the to worry about. The pent up anxiety and the pent up anguish is going to burst out in every seam when they eventually do win in the 2020? I don't. I doubt I it. I don't think so. I doubt it. Um, I think it was is Reagan from Isles blog posted like a picture of the Hempstead um, Turnpike. Yeah, and there's like nothing there. It's just it's just it's just roadway. So it's like, what are you gonna destroy? Uh, the trees? Oh no! Yeah, I don't. Completely overreaction. Um, I don't really don't think you need anything to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, Again, if if they win it, let's worry about winning a championship first, okay? Yeah, let's Before get pro- to that, please. <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, and then I also wanted to talk about our boy Kiefer Bellows a little bit. Okay. He's on an absolute tear recently, Mitch. Uh, if you give me a sec, I want to pull up his numbers from this year. Can I he- guess? Oh, what he's up to on the entire year? Go ahead. Yeah, tell me how many games he's played. Okay. Uh, load, it, load. 
because last I checked, he was at well over a point a game. Not like Matthew Barzal, two points a game, but he's definitely over a point. So I'm going to guess he's probably doing uh, 1.3 points per game. So you just tell me how many games he's played, and I'll do the math. 37. So I'm going to say 49 points. You're close. 52. Oh, wow. Well, good for me in my math, but wow, 52 points in 37 games, you said? 26 goals, 26 assists. Nice. I love that. I love the even spread so much. Yep. Oh, man. What position are the, are the Winterhawks in? Is it the Winterhawks? Is it the Portland? Yep, Portland Winterhawks. Yeah. Uh, WHL standings. Let's see. WHL. They've got to be up there, I would hope. Yeah, I hope so. Um, Unless he's like the only player in on his team producing, then that would suck. Uh, they're in second place in their division. There's only three teams, so okay. The, well, the, you know, whatever. The team they're behind has 71 points. They have 66, and the Tri City Americans have 62. Okay. So my question for you then on that. Is, is he going to be in the NHL next season like he thought he would? Yes. I think that there's wow. no way he's not in the NHL next wow. year. I think you even said he wouldn't be last time we spoke on this. No. I'm a full believer that he's going to okay. be. It was someone else then. Yeah, I think it was someone from the live podcast. Said oh, that. right. Yeah, I think it was Chris. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. I think he's going to be there. He's the third one, third line left wing next year. I think guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Him, Jose, and then who's centering? Bovillier. That's nice. my line. Oh, such a line. What a line. Oh, my God. Uh, Barzal, a year older. Tavares with a fresh new billion-dollar contract. That's amazing. Hopefully, can, we have a goalie somewhere in there. Can, can I give you my, my three lines, what they would be? Yeah. Okay, so this hypothetical, it would be the lead Tavares-Bailey, then Lad. Uh, Barzal, Abouli, and then line three, like what I just said, Bellows on the left, Beauvillier in the center, and right wing, Hosang. What's your fourth line? Is Matt Martin in your fourth line? I mean, <laughs> maybe, if they, if they do. I mean, maybe, but Sezik is in Clutterbuck, obviously, because they're long-term, and then... Alan Quine, probably. It does, does, would it matter? No, no. It wouldn't. It would be great. I know the rumors are coming in that Matt Martin, the Islanders, might be kicking the tires on Martin. Um, I'd love it. I just don't see it happening. Would you give up? Too good to be true. Would you give up a fourth round pick for Matt Martin? Yeah, I would. Why not? If that's all it takes. Wait, are are the Maple Leafs holding any contract? Like holding any money? Because I think he's making two. 2.5 Point five. 2.5 2.5 a year the Isles only have 1 point something 1 point I'm going to say 3 on the cap um, so they they would need to hold what is it 1.2 million sorry the Isles have 1.4 million on the cap so they would, they would need to hold uh, what is it 1.5 and some and some change so half let's just say they keep half if they keep yeah why not why not? Why not? That's yeah. an expensive fourth line, granted, but like that's it's, not too bad. It's still a good fourth line. It was we a really good fourth line. 
It's the only reason that they, they being Seekus and Clutterbuck, are earning 3.5 and 3.35 each is because all three were together on that fourth line. Yeah, the chemistry of that line was something special. Um, it's something that they've really lacked since Martin left. I don't think that fourth line's been the same since he's left. Oh, it definitely has not been. So to get them back to that form and then on top of that have three potential dynamic scoring lines, that'd be pretty mm-hmm. solid. If yep. you get another top four defenseman in there, you're in pretty good shape. Don't know how they fit that top four D in there with their cap being almost maxed out, but that'd be pretty nice. For This is for next year, though, we're talking. Right. Fair enough. So I think they should have, they should have enough room for that. They should yeah. have plenty of room. That should be good. Okay. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to go over on this episode? That's all I got. I've I've let everything out. I want to thank everyone again for coming to the live pod and uh, and and spending your no, maybe not spending, but giving your money to America's Vet Dogs. They they've said they've they really appreciated the, the donations, and they're going to go a long way to helping some people. Yep. So I'm super excited to bring that check over to America's Vet Dogs at the end of this week. I think it's going to be completely awesome. And again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, As always, what you're going to want to do is go to the website, eyesonisles.com, for anything New York Islanders related. We got news, opinions, analysis, trade ideas, waiver ideas, anything relating to the team. Give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook. Our Twitter is at Eyes on Isles FS, and we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary NY, and Mitch's is at T-L-O Mitch. Mitch, episode 25 in the books, a quarter of the century, a quarter of the century mark already through. Nice. My back is starting to hurt, so... I'm feeling the old man pains already. That's so we do it once a week, twenty five weeks. We're almost halfway through a year. We're getting there. We're getting there. Although season ends in a few months, so just March, April, and hopefully May and June. Hopefully May and June. Yes, absolutely. All right, Mitch, have yourself a good night. See you, buddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.